as practitioners, we're finding ways to adapt digitally so we can provide value differently, provide value quickly to show our clients maybe the end state of what things could be without going through full transformation. And I think that those kind of baby steps can help lead them to that larger vision and maybe find insights that weren't even on their radar. Welcome to the Agile Digital Transformation Podcast, where we explore different aspects of digital transformation and digital experience with your host, Tim Butera, Content and Community Manager at Agile Drop. Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. I'm joined today by Lerone Walker, Vice President of Technology of the Healthcare Division at the Digital Transformation Consultancy, Bounteous. Here on our podcast, we very often talk about the importance of fully committing to digital transformation rather than doing it haphazardly. But when we were discussing potential topics with Lerone, we realized that we really don't focus enough on those use cases where companies want to embrace digital, they want to digitalize certain parts of their business, but they don't have the capacity to commit to a full-on digital transformation, which doesn't mean that they'll do the transformation haphazardly, right? So we kind of dubbed this concept digital adaptation with Lerone, and this is what we'll be discussing today. So the concept of digital adaptation and when it makes more sense to go with digital adaptation instead of a full-fledged digital transformation. Lerone, awesome to have you here. I'm excited to get right into it with you. Yeah, thank you, Tim. And that's a fantastic intro. I think this topic is super, super interesting, and I'm looking forward to, to diving in. Yes, yeah, same here. It's like when we were discussing potential topics, when we arrived on this topic, it was just this this light bulb, this eureka moment. We were like, oh, yeah, of course, we have to talk about this because uh, you've also seen this in your client work, right? The, the use case that we've described right now and which got yeah. us to even talk about the concept and to dub it digital adaptation. So, yeah, definitely an exciting and a valuable topic for a lot of listeners who are maybe going through similar problems, right? especially with the looming recession and everything going on around us, you know, it makes sense to digitalize, but a lot of people might shy away from it because they don't have the capacity or the budget to fully commit to it. So yeah, we're here to help. Yeah, this is super interesting. So this topic is very relevant to a situation I found myself in a couple months ago. So we have a super smart team at Bounteous. You know, we're, as you mentioned, we're a global consultancy. We have folks all over the world. And with my alignment to our healthcare business, we're meeting with some fantastic healthcare partners. And we're sitting in this beautiful office and you know, meeting with this client and we came prepared. We had our deck ready. We were, you know, going through all of our, our sales material, our case studies, you know, and the team was on fire. And we got to the end of the conversation. And, you know, the client is kind of looking at us and says, Hey, that sounds great. Obviously, you're capable. You know, you have the the people and the to back it up, and you have the stories and you have the accolades. But everybody comes in here and talks about digital transformation. Like, if I bring this story to our executives, they're going to say, "Oh, uh, another one of these? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't we just do this?" And that got me thinking. There needs to be a different angle here. We can't all be digital transformation organizations uh, because not everybody is ready to commit to yet another five year plan. And don't get me wrong, like we should still have that North Star vision. We should still have you know, things that we're, we're walking towards and, and goals for the organization. But it got me thinking, like there, there needs to be a different way to approach these problems. There needs to be a way to show value quickly. There needs to be another approach than let's boil the ocean, start over, <laughs> you know, start from scratch kind of approach. So 
if I understand it correctly, or I mean, it should be understood like this, that digital adaptation is not just a subset or like a scaled down, watered down version of digital transformation. And then on the other hand, it's also, I think it's safe to say that it's also not the same as just digitalization. Where would you place digital adaptation uh, with regards to these two and what are the main differences between them? Yeah, so I think that if uh, we were to define this concept that we just came up with, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's still a bit of wet clay. Uh, I think that it is changing the approach from looking long term to short term. You know, mm-hmm. how can we provide value quickly? Where can we find wins? How do we get involved with organizations and understand how they work? Understand what's important to the decision makers. Show value, increase revenue, make the experience frictionless for users. Whatever the goals are. How do we do that very, very quickly? Mm-hmm. Uh, it reminds me of a story. I can speak at a conference next week, and one of our, our clients is Shake Shack, and they're, uh, they have 250 physical locations in the U.S. alone. If you're not familiar with them, they have delicious hamburgers and shakes mm. and crinkle-cut French fries, which are my favorite type of fry, if we oh, were. <laughs> <laughs> if we're voting. And we've managed a lot of their digital experience and through COVID, you mentioned, you know, the economy changing, thinking mm-hmm. back to COVID when restaurants are shut down. If your main driver of revenue is people coming into your establishment, you know, buying burgers, shakes and fries, dining, and then all of a sudden your dining room shut down, what do you do? <laughs> you know, you're not going to mm-hmm. ship burgers to people. You're not, you know, the the model is, is broken kind of overnight. And so they came to us and said, Bounteous, we need a plan. We need to figure out you know, how do we pivot and how do we do it quickly? That, in my opinion, is a situation where if we would have walked and said, well, we believe that digital is heading this way. For your business, here are the bets that we think you should be making, and here's how trans technology can enable it, and here is the five-year plan to get there. Like, you know, you'd be out of business before <laughs> before you even start. Uh, and so what we were able to do in that situation is they didn't have a curbside delivery option, meaning, you know, you couldn't log onto the website, you know, order online, drive up to the curb, and have them walk out the sandwiches and burgers and fries to you. So we added that capability mm-hmm. and we did it in seven weeks. And wow. that was, yeah. So that's a situation where we said, okay, this wasn't part of the plan. This wasn't on the roadmap, but we need to adapt very quickly and roll this out. But what's neat about this, and this I think gets back to the whole, the difference maybe between that and digital transformation mm-hmm. is there are some insights that we've gleaned from that experience so 30% in, in the pilot that we did for this curbside delivery uh, program, 30% of the folks that were using this new service were new to the brand. So it was a brand new audience. They'd never ordered oh. before. And they said, oh, okay, well, everything else is shut down. Let me try this other solution. You know, I've always wanted to try it. And now it's a great opportunity. And so they found this brand new audience. Again, not part of the original plan, <laughs> not part of like the five-year digital transformation thing. It was mm-hmm. just a seven-week pivot. And additionally, the folks that were buying curbside, their ticket prices, their order ticket, the revenue that they were getting for the online curbside orders were larger than what they were getting in store. So the audience was 30% larger. The average ticket price was larger. And this was a brand new thing that we rolled out in just a matter of weeks. Now you could take that concept and maybe that is part of a larger strategy that gets you towards digital transformation. But again, it's that adaptation that really pulled those insights out and and was able to recognize revenue quickly. I think one of the main benefits that I see here is that you're doing more than just digitizing processes. 
but you're also getting your foot in the door to kind of the whole digital transformation process, right? Because it's difficult yeah. to start if you know that you'll you'll need five years to digitize everything. And th these five years may come with, I don't know, losses in revenue because you're investing in the digital transformation, but digital adaptation. And I love the word that, that you used before. You, you said that they, they were able to adapt, right? So if you're trying to promote this concept of digital adaptation, this is perfect. This allows them to, to transform what's kind of the current goal or the current business driver as in a streamline in as streamlined a way as possible without kind of shutting all possibilities for further adaptation and further innovation and further transformation. That yeah, that's well said. And again, you don't get these insights sometimes mm -hmm. if you're looking kind of at that North Star vision and it's like a, we're only doing these things because this aligns with the vision. There's all these other things that could also help drive revenue and help change the business and create this whole new opportunity that wasn't even on the roadmap. And sometimes when you're you're all in digital transformation, and that's the only thing on the table. You can miss these other opportunities. Mm -hmm. I love stories, so I have another one for you. If you, <laughs> yeah, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, if you want to hear it, <laughs> it's funny. I'm the healthcare guy. And I'm telling all these food stories, but I think that these are are pretty interesting. Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the pizza chain Domino's Pizza. If they have them oh, where yeah. you are, okay. No, they don't have them where where we are, but uh, Eastock yeah. and I went to a Drupal camp once, and the first in London. And the first thing we did there was to go have Domino's. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think if you uh, you go to like TripAdvisor and they say things to do in London, uh, Domino's is at the top. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> well, Domino's Pizza has been a client of ours for for a number of years. Hey, cool. And you know, while we were working with them, one of the insights that we gained was there is this period, and maybe you can relate. I know I'm this way. There's this period during the day. Normally, it's for me, it's like around three o'clock, four o'clock, where I'm like, what am I having for dinner? Mm -hmm. You know, I am maybe I, it's been a busy day and I skipped lunch or I skipped breakfast. And I'm like, I really need to eat something. You know, do you order out? Do I have things in the fridge? Do I need to go shopping? Like, what am I going to do? This is coming up. And the problem just intensifies if you have kids or if you have a family, you're just trying to figure like, what on earth are we going to do? And it's, and I'm the worst because my wife laughs at me and I go, oh, I don't know. And just, well, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's not very helpful. And, and so we found that insight. And as we we're talking to Domino's, we said, you know, what if there's a way that, you know, when these moments happen, which, you know, from our research was happening every day, people typically eat at least once a day, <laughs> you know, is there a way that we could use that to our advantage? Is there a way that we could prompt them to say like, hey, maybe you should order from Domino's. And additionally, I wonder if there's a way to track that order and understand, you know, exactly when it's going to arrive. So you could time it with when your kids come home or when dinner time is ready. Can we use digital to help change the experience so you're not always having to call, you know, wait for someone mm -hmm. to pick up, order your food, hope that they made it correctly, hope that it arrives on time, have no idea between when you call, when it shows up, when it's going to get here. Like that seemed like a bite-sized chunk. Not that there's, it's not a complex thing to solve, but you know, that felt like something that we could do that just enhanced the experience of ordering pizza. And so we pitched the pizza tracker to Domino's and said, like, we had this idea of the system where you could order online and you could track the entire process of pizza delivery. And we went for it. And so Domino's wasn't doing this before. Bounties got involved. So we we dreamed this up. We built this platform for them. We rolled it out. And they went from zero to a billion dollars spent online through pizza tracker, through technology that we built just off of this insight, you know, of folks get hungry <laughs> around dinner time. And there's probably a better way of ordering than calling in. And one thing that's really neat, you start talking about uh, digital transformation, like that was 
Uh, you know, you could argue whether that was transformation or adaptation. I think that there were maybe steps of adaptation that led to a transformation. Uh, you know, if, if I was being uh, fully honest there. Um, but as we interviewed people after we rolled this out, they said that if I call McDonald's and order on the phone versus ordering online and using the pizza tracker, it tastes better to me when I use the pizza tracker. <laughs> same process, same ingredients, <laughs> but it just tastes better because I, I feel like I have, you know, more insight to the process and I'm invested in this entire journey. And when you talk to Domino's now, they said they're a technology company that sells pizza. They're not a pizza company that uses technology. So I think we got to digital transformation, but it started with these small ideas kind of building on top of each other, showing value quickly. But if we would have walked in and said, day one, Domino's, guess what? You need to be a technology company that sells pizza. <laughs> Probably would have gone very well. <laughs> this was the perfect showcase for what we just uh, kind of alluded to about getting your foot in the door with digital transformation. And I love also, uh, this is kind of touching upon something else, but it's also relevant here that it's often digital transformation and digital adaptation or any kind of these digitalization processes, I guess, they can take really awesome ideas from other sectors, right? Because, you know, the pizza tracker is something that's existed with packages, you know, tracking your package when you order off Amazon or off another of another e-commerce site. That's That's been used to improve the customer experience for e-commerce for quite a while now. But now you actually have, I, I won't say a food company, I'll, I'll use your term, a technology <laughs> company true. that sells pizza. We have a, a technology slash pizza company that's now using something that's akin to a postal service feature, and they've totally revamped and streamlined their business through it. I love it. No, that, that's beautifully said. And, you know, it's, again, I, I get it. We're consultants walking to the room and saying, you know, we're going to go through this transformation. Like, that's the fun stuff. And you get ingrained with the client. And it's, you know, from a business standpoint, it's great because you're you're locked in for a long time. And, you know, I just, it's with the current economic environment and coming through COVID, I think it's challenging all of us to think differently. Mm -hmm. um, like AI, I can't help. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Tim. I'm going can't to help bring, little bring up chat GPT. Uh. <laughs> yes. So I, so I pay for an open AI membership just personally, because I just want to just immerse myself in what's going on there. And what's nice at Bounties is we have some folks that were like, what? they were looking into this before it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> they were hipster chat GPT users. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Make, there's a, a few things we're thinking of in particular that, I mean, literally years ago were training their own models and talking about the implications of what AI could do. And, you know, we get presentations on like the future of AI and how it can enable all these things. But it was all kind of just theoretical. And now it felt like overnight using our quotes, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, all of this is all these capabilities are here. And I feel like this is maybe another area where we are finding ways to adapt our message, adapt our way of working without saying, okay, now every company needs to be an AI company. And it's going to mm -hmm. be this long transformation project. And you need to put everything on hold until we get this thing rolled out. Boards and decision makers, and maybe people outside of technology, that's not, <laughs> you know, that's not how you sell that. That idea and that vision, you need to show value. You need to show, you know, what these things can enable and ideally show that quickly. You know, we're, we're talking about what can we show in weeks versus months and years. I was in, sorry, I have all these stories, but I was in a pitch, an internal pitch prep meeting for a hospital system that we've been been looking to, to get in front of. And this was months ago. 
And I remember sitting in this meeting and our creative team were telling this amazing story about reimagining the hospital experience for not just patients. So something happens to you, you're going to the hospital, you know, how can we use technology to make that better for you as the, as the patient, but also for doctors and nurses. And even, you know, going back to the patient side, when you leave a hospital setting, like, what is that experience? What do the follow-ups look like? How can you check in with your, your primary care physician? How do they follow up with you? You know, how do we use all the tech and holding up my iPhone here, you know, that we have kind of glued to us to, to make that experience better? And they could have approached this a lot of ways. They could have just used text and said, you know, use your imagination and then we can take these ideas to the client or they could have roughly sketched, you know, some ideas down. So I had, you know, some sort of visual foundation. But what they did is they used AI and they said, like, I'm going to send these prompts. I'm going to have it generate, you know, full high fidelity scenes. So as they're presenting, as they're sharing their words, as they're sharing their concepts, I had these like high fidelity visuals that were walking me through these experiences that don't exist today. And, you know, probably the real thing would be different, you know, if we get, you know, into the nuts and bolts of it. But it was a, such a fun way to experience storytelling. And they used AI to generate a lot of the visuals for that presentation. And again, this was months and months ago before people were tweeting about chat GPT, you know, every three seconds. And I feel like, you know, as practitioners, we're finding ways to adapt digitally so we can provide value differently, provide value quickly to show our clients maybe the end state of what things could be without going through full transformation. And I think that those kind of baby steps can help lead them to that that larger vision and maybe find insights that weren't even on their radar. So ChatGPT is basically a digital adaptation tool. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm we have so there's a caveat there <laughs> is you know, the you don't want your sensitive client information or proprietary information to be part of the, the training set. So, you know, we have a, mm. a pretty much like we no client data goes in a any of these services at Bounteous, you know, that's where we have a pretty hard stance on that. Um, but even to the individual, so I mentioned I have an account that I just use personally. When I know a meeting is coming up, instead of just, you know, kind of pondering and, you know, some, I like to, to walk and like to get outside and that's, you know, mm -hmm. that gets my memory jogging. I'll just throw some prompts, you know, into a few of these models and see what spits out and almost start brainstorming with myself before I enter the meeting. And so the idea is that, you know, if I can shorten my time to finding ideas that I think are interesting or want to share with the team to, you know, an hour instead of multiple hours, and you look at that over the course of a month, a year, mm -hmm. years, like that's really, really powerful. And so I'm able to adapt what I'm doing and how I provide value by using technology and using AI before I even get together with my colleagues who are way smarter than I am. <laughs> and together we're coming up with these, these great ideas. And I know, you know, it's work, so not everybody's going to do it, but I think this is, you know, what the, what people are expecting now. They're like, you know, you guys are supposed to know our industry. You're supposed to know, you know, how can we best provide value to the people who pay for our services or who use our services? You know, that's great, but how do we do it faster? How do we do it mm -hmm. better? I think uh, another like thing that's common to digital adaptation and digital transformation based on everything that we talked about so far is also this key mindset shift that's maybe not so present with just simply digitalization on the one hand, right? Where digitalization is just, okay, maybe you move your physical paper folders into Excel or something, you know, that's like the basic use case. But, you know, leveraging ChatGPT and ch changing the way you think to kind of to kind of get the most out of these digital technologies 
it's very similar i think i think it's very similar to between digital adaptation as we call it and digital transformation what would you say yeah no i, I fully agree with that and you know it's like we have this this new tool chest mm -hmm. <laughs> of tools available to us and, and i think that one there are two paths that are happening and it's happening very quickly they're the folks that will continue to do what they've been doing and continue to pitch the way they've been pitching and continue to sell the way they've been selling or they're the folks that are leading in and saying like, well, let's slow down. Let's understand like, what does the new tool set look like? How can we use this to our advantage? And not to make, you know, it, yes, it's making our lives easier, but it should be making us lazier. Um, <laughs> so one, and I know we're getting on AI, but I think it's relevant to maybe the, the larger conversation. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if you saw the the Google video that they released yesterday um, with uh, some of the tools that they've recently rolled out to their workspaces platform but they had an example where they had an excel doc that had a, a number of clients listed you know kind of first name last name and then a, a row for messages and you could intelligently fill out custom messaging for all those clients and then use like a mail merge to email them and not have to write any of that that sounds great and uh, there's definitely advantages to that but i think that the message there should be less about oh now i don't have to write custom messages to you know this list of clients it should be about Oh, well, if I can use this technology, like how do I make this super hyper personalized to the individual? So mm -hmm. it feels like, you know, it doesn't feel like a machine is writing this. It feels like me, the person who's talking to you, Lerone talking to Tim, sat down, wrote this out. It wasn't just, you know, some AI generated thing that just took a couple of data points and, you know, threw them in a mail merge, like make it really hyper personalized. And I feel like that extra layer is where we could provide value and with, you know, 10% more effort. And my concern with some of what I'm seeing already from some examples of just the last day with chat, you know, today is what, the 15th of March, mm -hmm. that GPT-4 is rolled out as people are saying, oh, well, I don't have to do A, B, and C anymore. This is great. AI will do it. Yeah, that's, I wouldn't <laughs> think about it like that. That's right. I don't know if that's the way we would approach it. <laughs> I think it's, how do I take what I'm doing today and use AI to make it better? And then going back to maybe the larger conversation, how do we adapt the companies that we're working with? And how do I we find these insights? How do we use AI so that we can have somebody working 24-7, thinking about our clients, thinking about these problems, thinking about opportunities to improve the organizations that we work with, uh, improve society even? Um, I think that's really where the win is. And the tooling is is it's like there overnight, seemingly. And how do you, what do you think we're likely to see in the future here? You know, we started talking about all of these new potential. I think that this is the right place to, to kind of, to dedicate five or 10 minutes or however much we need or how, sure. I think if we wanted to talk about this for an hour or two hours, we could talk about it, but we, we need to be at least a little bit mindful to our listeners. So <laughs> uh, what do you think we're likely to see in the future in terms of maybe in terms of new technology adoption and how that will coincide with digital adaptation versus digital transformation and how companies and brands and organizations will kind of approach all of this. Yeah. So one of the biggest problems in tech is just connecting systems mm -hmm. and sending data, you know, to, to different systems. And I feel that what we're seeing in tech now and what we're seeing with uh, some of the new tooling and interoperability is that is starting to become frictionless. And that's huge because there are so many experiences out there that are poor where you're having to log. And I'm thinking, I'll just use healthcare because, you know, I'm the health guy. Mm -hmm. uh, you want to find information. So we moved about a year ago 
and uh, the healthcare provider we're using in the U.S. And I know that this is different depending on what country you're in and all that. But in the U.S., I was trying to find a new primary care physician uh, because healthcare is through the, the organization that I work with. And I remember logging into a, the portal that was supposed to be getting the information, and that sent me to another portal, which sent me down another mm-hmm. path. And I ended up taking screenshots and sharing it with our, our healthcare team mm-hmm. at Bounteous. And I forget the full number. There were there were 20 something slides from me entering. Wow. Like, I want to find a primary care physician to giving me a list of names. And even beyond, like when I got to that point, they were still having to filter down and figure out, okay, of this list, what makes the most sense? What I'm hoping is that I can leverage, you know, technology, leverage AI and have it do that work for me. Send me a list of names that I align with my healthcare plan that are within a, I don't know, 10 mile radius of where I live. <laughs> and that, you know, follow this, this certain criteria and have it reveal it to me so I can just remove all that friction and all those steps. Uh, and then when you bring that to an online experience, same thing, you know, you don't want folks to have to jump between multiple systems. We should be pulling out information and servicing it for the user. You know, so it feels like you're using an iPhone. So it feels like an, an Apple-esque experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though behind the scenes it's complex because it's you know there's there's all this data that's coming from different sources and some of it's private, some of it's public. Um, but I think that we could leverage the this kind of newer tech to to make that feel frictionless, even if it's really maybe a little more complex. Um, I think about you know my I have parents that are fortunately still alive and you know uh, retired now, and some of the questions I get I'm like, <laughs> like I could see why this is so confusing. Uh, but it shouldn't be confusing. And that's my hope is that, you know, it doesn't matter if you're my five-year-old daughter or my retired parents or me who, you know, is VP of technology at a, you know, a consulting firm. It should, these experiences should be fun to use, should be easy to use, should feel frictionless. And it shouldn't be based on if you grew up with computers or if you happen to have a technology degree or if you're an engineer, you should just be able to use regular plain text prompts and get what you need. And so I'm going down a rabbit hole now, <laughs> maybe a little off base from where you started with your questioning. But I think that's the end state is we want to make these experiences very easy for people to use and, you know, extra points if it's fun for them to use. Mm-hmm. But no, it actually ties perfectly into another thing that I wanted to ask. And that is, uh, I, I know that you, Bounteous, are also Acquia partners. And Acquia has recently, in recent years, it's been able to position itself as the leading digital experience platform or DXP. And, you know, a platform sounds like something big, something that you have to commit to. But I'm, I, I mean, from what I know about DXPs and their flexibility and their nature of how you can use them, how you can leverage them, it can actually be an important tool for digital adaptation. And I think it's crucial to, to guarantee this frictionless state, this interoperability that we were talking about just now. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Uh, One of the things I love about the Aqua ecosystem is it's it's open. Mm -hmm. And so when you're you're talking about a composable architecture where you can plug and play the pieces and the the package business capabilities that you need, meaning, uh, let me actually take a step back. Mm -hmm. One of the things that we talk about Bounteous is the spectrum of digital maturity. Mm-hmm. Meaning you may come to us and say, okay, you know, we want a website redesign. And you're like, all right, uh, are there other things that you want to do? It's like, well, 
right now we're starting with this and I'm simplifying and they're like, okay, so you're, you're here on the spectrum. There are others that are like, okay, we want to get in a deep personalization. We want to, you know, uh, better leverage our, our CDP. We want to do find insights from analytics and, and we have all these other needs and we're a multilingual multi-region, like it's a just different enterprise. And that is, you know, a different part of the spectrum. And so the first step is just kind of understanding for your organization, like, where do you sit? <laughs> Uh, whereas, whereas maybe understanding where you want to go is great, but what, what is the immediate need? Where do you want to adapt maybe more immediately? Mm -hmm. And then we can help you get to that, that final digital transformation state. And what's nice about the Aqua set of tools is you can start with the pieces that you need today. And as your organization grows and as your needs change, you can adapt for the future without having to jump ship and go to a completely different platform. Um, and I think the other thing that's, that's pretty compelling is, you know, you don't need to be all in on just the Acquia tools. We can integrate with the existing tools that you have. You can, you know, have multiple services. You can have multiple dams. You can have multiple commerce platforms. And really, if you're looking at composability, just use the the API layer to the past data back and forth. And um, you didn't ask this, but one thing that we found very interesting at Bounteous is there's almost like if you look at this as a chart and at the top of the chart, there are channels. So that could be the website, maybe a mobile app, a kiosk. And at the bottom of the chart are your, your different package business capabilities. So maybe that's commerce or your dam or your, your CMS. There's this layer in the middle, which we refer to as the orchestration layer. And what we've been encouraging clients to do is if you have your um, core business functionality in that orchestration layer, that gives you the freedom to really plug and play. And you can add new channels quickly. You can add at the top of the chart and you can add new capabilities quickly at the bottom of the chart because your core business logic is in that middle layer and that moves with you and with your organization. So it's not throwaway work, which is pretty compelling. And Acquia enables us to do that really, really nicely. Uh, I have a story. <laughs> oh, really? If you'd like to hear it, <laughs> I, I didn't think you'd have a story. Surprising. <laughs> <laughs> so, one of our healthcare clients that I really, really admire um, that we got to work with very closely over the last few years is a brand called Birdie. And I just um, hats off to John Salona and his team because uh, they're doing some really, really great work. And uh, the Birdie product that they've launched, uh, they offer. Um, low-cost prescriptions to folks in the U.S., which, you know, again, I know this is, uh, this audience is likely larger than the United States, but, you know, prescriptions and mm -hmm. and medical costs and healthcare in the United States is um, is, a, is a big problem. I, I want to, I haven't looked at the latest stats, but I know at one point that was the leading cause of bankruptcy was were healthcare costs in the U.S. Um, and so their service allows you to have uh, greatly reduced pricing on prescription drugs. Really, really compelling program. But they came to us and they said, hey, all right, Bounties, we want to work with you. <laughs> uh, we're interested in Acquia. We're interested in Drupal, but uh, we already have a lot of systems in place. We have over 70 APIs that have uh, private customer information, that has product data, prescription data, all these internal systems. Please don't come to us with the digital transformation conversation and tell us that we need to start from scratch, that we need to blow it up. <laughs> And, you know, turn this into a really, really long engagement. We want to find value quickly. We want to get to market fast. And we don't want to have to start from scratch because we invest a lot of time and money into, you know, all these systems that exist today. And so what we were able to do is we were able to take the systems and we were to figure out how do we leverage what's already there? 
how do we add Aqua and Drupal in the mix to power the back end? And then we have Gatsby powering the front end. So we talk about frictionless. So the, the UI feels nice and fast and performant. And it's what people expect, even for a healthcare organization, which the bar, unfortunately, is pretty low for a lot of those experiences. And then what we were able to do is we were able to, to leverage that platform to roll out their, their desktop marketing site, their mobile app, and also the online portal. So if you're a Birdie customer, the portal let you log in to manage your prescriptions and get uh, drug information and all that. That's all powered from the same system. Now, backing up maybe to our earlier conversation, if you would have said, this is a digital transformation effort. We see that you have all these APIs. You see you have all these platforms. We need to start from scratch because to do it the right way, using air quotes, it's going to take you know, years and this and that and millions of dollars. That was not the case. It was like, how do we quickly roll this out? And we were able to do that through Acquia with Drupal and Gatsby in this composable manner and not blow up their current infrastructure. So, so correct me if I'm wrong, but it's much easier to do digital adaptation with an open DXP, whereas a, a non-open DXP, a closed DXP would be, would be just more suited for a full-on transformation. Yeah, I, I think so. Not impossible, you know, because yeah, anything yeah. is possible with, you know, enough time and budget, right? But for organizations that want to move quickly, it's these platforms that are open are just kind of suited for this type of work. And, you know, clients also, uh, I think COVID maybe have got people thinking like, all right, we don't want to be stuck with something that makes sense today. And then some large event happens that we're not predicting. And all of a sudden we're invested in this platform for years and years and years, and we want to pivot, but we have all these licensing costs and we have mm -hmm. all these investments we've already made. And so, you know, how do we find business agility? And which is funny because that's actually how we, you know, define composability at Bounty is, you know, it gives you business agility. But mm. going back to the DXPs, like how do we find that agility? How do we invest in the things that won't change? You know, having flexibility with your business and being able to do things based on what the market is doing and what your clients are asking for and some new insight that you may have found, like um, that. 30% more people mm -hmm. <laughs> will use curbside that have never heard of your organization. Going back to the Shake Shack example, you know, that comes from having the flexibility with your architecture, with your technology. And again, not that it's impossible to still get there, but, you know, sometimes just being first, <laughs> you know, is enough to kind of push you towards uh, leaning at looking at open technologies and open platforms. Lerone, this was an awesome conversation, just as we knew that it would be. I, I'm sure that it will also be very valuable to a lot of our listeners, as we said at the beginning, who are maybe going through similar issues, who are maybe looking to transform, but are, are having budget issues or, or some other issues. Great conversation. Just before we wrap it up and wrap it up and jump off the call, Lerone, if people wanted to maybe reach out to you or learn more about you, learn more about Bounteous, where can they do all that? Sure. You can learn all about us at bounteous.com. Uh, I speak a lot, so I'm all over the place. LeroneWalker.com. You can always find me there. I'm on Twitter and I'm pretty much Lerone Walker everywhere. If there's a Lerone Walker, it likely is this guy right here. <laughs> but, you know, bounteous.com is probably the best place to find all the information relating to Bounteous and some of what we talked about, too, with co-innovation and, and the way that we think and approach projects. Awesome. I'll make sure to include everything in the show notes. And Lerone, thanks again. This has been awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Fantastic conversation. Well, to our listeners, that's all for this episode. Have a great day, everyone, and stay safe. Thanks for tuning in. 
If you'd like to check out our other episodes, you can find all of them at agiledrop.com slash podcast, as well as on all the most popular podcasting platforms. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes, and don't forget to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues.